In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room As we move into our affirmative prayer, I'd like to invite you to just simply track your breathing for a moment. Feel that air go into your lungs on this next breath. Wherever you are, take your time. If I caught you on the exhale, it's okay. There is enough of everything in this moment. As we breathe in and breathe out and and watch the amazing activity of this intelligence that animates this physical form. It is a touchstone of remembrance of the presence and power, the one life, the perfect life, God's life, Spirit's life. That life in this moment, as I invite you to allow my words to be your words if they're a good fit, and and if not, let them wash over you. But what I know for myself in this moment, I can only speak from my experience, is that that life is my life in every way, shape, and form, that we have been giving this form, this shape, this experience, this, this earthly solid form to deepen and grow and to blossom in consciousness, to see the face of God everywhere we look, to celebrate the activity of God within ourselves. And so I know that at this day, as we come together in the collective, it is a bit easier. We become a bit more available to that activity to that awareness. So I know for myself as well as for you that the next right idea, opportunity, insight, awareness, whatever it may be, the putting down of something that is no longer necessary, a bias or a judgment or an error belief that has served us well to this point, but is no longer necessary for the blossoming of our consciousness upon this planet. Whatever it may be, we stand open, ready, willing, that I am so grateful and happy to be alive and to be able to interact in a powerful, deep way with this infinite intelligence that loves unconditionally. I give thanks for the musicians today, for the prayers that have brought us together this day, for the beautiful avatars of wisdom and intelligence whose shoulders we stand upon. I give thanks for everything, past, present, and yet to come, for I know it is a wonder and a joy to behold. And for this, I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good crowd for a long weekend. Wow. Awesome. Thank you so much for showing up and, and being who you are. Thank you, Brown. And thank you, Kevin. Mr. Brown Anderson. Let's, let's share some love with Brown. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Oh, we're wrapping up this month, the company you keep. And today I wanted to speak to you a bit about God. 
And so God to me is nature. You know, it's just, it's everywhere present and it's no more available than God looks like beauty, God feels like joy. And so the more that we, we can continue to, to bask in the joy of whatever it is we're doing, wherever we are, we're in, that, we're in that deeper relationship with spirit, which is our divine nature. So the company you keep God. So I wanted to just put this up real quickly. This is Maya Angelou. She was a wonderful teacher and made her transition a few months back. And she said, laugh as much as possible. Always laugh. It's the sweetest thing you can do for yourself and one's fellow human beings. So let's all just practice a laugh right now, okay? <laughs> Beautiful. Some of you will catch up. But isn't it nice to know that one of the sweetest things we can do is, is you know, I think it's very popular to bring, uh, to bring into our spiritual practice the way we do the rest of our life, you know. I was a carpenter for many years, and when you're a carpenter, and the only, you know, one of the, my favorite sayings is that when you're a carpenter and the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, you know. And, and so this, this mindset of, of bringing that energy to spiritual practice, so in other words, it's more work, when in fact it's as difficult as we make it, it's as hard as we make it, that, 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 that the perfection that we talk about is already a given, it's not a matter of manipulating, it's a, a matter of getting enough things out of the way so we can reveal it in a bigger way. And so we are uh, science of mind. We're talking about a relationship with God today. We're religious science. Science of mind is our teaching. And it was really put together by this amazing man, Ernest Holmes. His banner's over there to your left. And he was so, if you're here for the first time, it's a bit of what we're, we're about in this, uh, in this community. And it's about spiritual living. And so I want to talk a bit about the heart and soul of that, what that looks like, where we come from. And, and well, as Dr. Holmes said, you will go wherever you decide to go. And so on the, on the board up there, you see three people above Dr. Holmes' image. One is Dr. Thomas Troward, uh, an amazing, amazing thinker that had a tremendous influence on Dr. Holmes and science of mind teaching, as well as um, he also influenced tremendously the Church of England. And so a lot of his thinking uh, impacted uh, the, what we, we look at in terms of spirituality. He was a judge that lived in Punjab, India for most of his career. And when he retired, he dedicated himself to experiencing and articulating what he felt was a, a more interesting and perhaps life-enhancing uh, relationship with spirit. And he was very linear in his approach. Very a brilliant, deep man, but very linear. And he, he influenced many of the mystics that came after him. His book, The Edinburgh Lectures, was at one point in time handed out to all the new people that went to an, uh, an AA meeting, to Alcoholics Anonymous. They were given Thomas Troward's uh, The Edinburgh Lectures to read. And it's actually part of our formalized uh, uh, curriculum here. We actually teach a class on that, but a brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, amazing thinker, thought outside the box. He went to Harvard, one of my favorite stories, I wrote about it in the Science of Mind Guides this month. Um, if you haven't picked up your copy, there there's 31 guides that I was uh, invited to author. And so I um, had a chance to do that. And one of them I wrote about him because he went to Harvard and he, he spoke and he's, he talked about where he felt like Christianity had gone off the rails and missed some of the message of the teacher, Jesus of Nazareth. And he was invited back, but not for, not for 30 years. He upset the powers that be and he had to let some of those folks make their transition so that he could go back. But he was always pushing the envelope, and he had a tremendous influence on Dr. Holmes as well. And then Emma Curtis Hopkins, who Dr. Holmes actually studied with uh, in Chicago. She had a, a brilliant woman. She's considered the teacher of teachers. 
But I wanted to focus today a little bit about uh, Judge uh, Thomas Troward because he's a fascinating character. And, and he is the one that said, principle is not bound by precedent. In other words, what we have experienced to this point is not determined by what's in our past, by what preceded it, precedent. So what before, went before us is just history. And yet so many of us, myself included, can, can fall into this trap that, you know, it's like, it's like playing golf and, and, you know, your swing is not working if, for those of you that golf. And I've, I have this experience every time I go out and then the ball where I'm aiming, it goes in the parking lot or it goes down the street. So there's this muscle memory I have that, that in fact, I would say, I would disagree with uh, Thomas Trower that, in fact, with golf, principle is bound by precedent. But the point is, is that, that the reality is, is that none of us are stuck. We're not stagnant. And yet for many people, because we've had one experience, we keep buying into it over and over again. So I wanted to share a few of his ideas that I think are core to what, what he had to teach. On the next slide, it says to bring, he always said it's our opportunity to bring unseen causes into form. Because he understood the realm of the, the spirit. And he said that it's, it's, it, the reason that we have taken form or more solid is so that we can identify in this space. His theory was that if we continued to be in the liquid form, in this etheric form, we would just blend into one another all the time. We'd have no identity. And so in order to ensure that we had an opportunity to do our own consciousness work, we took more solid form. And as I talked about last week, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe, talks about that, that only a small percentage of us is actually formed, that energetically we're vast. And it's exactly what Dr. Troward was talking about. So what he said is, number one, we need to know what we're looking for. I mean, this is for all of us to know what we're looking for. He's, he, in the uh, chapter I was using today, or using today, he said that we don't climb a tree to look for fish. And yet, some, so we need to be clear about where we're heading and what, what we long to experience. One of, the, one of the things that we have, two things we have that are so precious. One is choice, and the other is awareness. We are master of both at the level of consciousness we are. Beautifully, it plays itself out, choice and awareness. So we need to know what we're looking for. Number two, we, we want to get more out of life. He said there's, an, there's a divine urge, and I believe this is what inspired Dr. Holmes to say there's a divine urge. We all want to get more out of life. We all sense this divine discontent. I love that term. Because I was raised in an environment where they kept saying, shut up and stop asking for more. And then I thought, well, there's something wrong with me that I want more. And, and so it, it was lovely to find Dr. Holmes say, the divine discontent, that the, 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 the infinite intelligence that is, is animating our lives is always seeking further and further expression. Because the, the things that, of course, as a kid, when you're five years old or four years old, the things you want more of probably aren't in your best interest. But what I'm saying is that when we start to develop that divine relationship, it's to understand that, there, that our opportunity is to express more, to create more. Because that is how the infinite, you know, the spirit does for us what it can do through us. To be more alive in ourselves. I talked about this a few weeks back about we are part of a spiritual revolution of aliveness at the end of the day. What, what's this teaching about? It's about aliveness. Howard Thurman, uh, Dr. King's teacher, Dr. Martin Luther King's teacher said that, that what's important is that you come alive. He said to improve conditions in our experience. We see things that aren't working for us. It's, we are not a teaching that says settle for what you have. We are teaching that says look at what you have and examine your beliefs around it and unravel and, and, and adjust and embody a different uh, perspective so that the conditions in our lives will change and improve. We can all conceive something better. All of us have the capacity to conceive something better. This is true. 
And the, and the last one I want to share with you today, the secret is getting more out of life to a continually progressive degree. So it's a journey. It's bit by bit, piece by piece, idea by idea, experience by experience. But if we live and, and understand that's our divine nature and that's what we're called to do and that's why we've taken form, then it, then it puts a lot of the superstitions and the things that, that I was conditioned with to the side. And I still remember them, but I don't live by them anymore. So to bring the unseen causes into form, I have a, a chart that is inspired by the work of Dr. David Hawkins. And on it, it, he talks about the calibration of consciousness. And he's done this through uh, muscle testing. So if you've gone to a chiropractor and been muscle tested, the same thing he did. He would, he would hold an idea, would hold a manuscript, he would hold an idea in mind, and he would, with an assistant, they would muscle test to find the, whatever this individual's consciousness calibrated at. And so on the chart, you go from shame, which is 20 points, which is barely alive, all the way up to enlightenment, which is 700 plus. It's interesting that, that Einstein, uh, according to Dr. Hawkins, he calibrates, he can calibrate anybody in past or present because it's a, it's a past event. But with muscle testing, you can't predict future events, but you can measure. And so he uses measuring that Einstein was at uh, the, the calibration of 399 most of the time because he was working in the intellect. He was look, working in the mind. And we are the science of the mind. And I think what our evolution is, what we're called to do, is we move out of that 400 range up into the 500, which is love. Which is love. And it's an exciting time to be alive. It's an exciting time to carry this, this baton of consciousness that Dr. Holmes and all these great teachers, from, from Judge Troward to Emma Curtis Hopkins to Ralph Waldo Emerson to Jesus of Nazareth to Gandhi to people on the walls here, to, to, to step into that. And so what I wanted to share with you today is these ideas we understand. Because Dr. Troward said, as he said, principle is not bound by precedent, so we don't want to limit our future experiences. But you and I are the ones that get to choose what that looks like. And he said, as we follow, Dr. Charles said, as we follow the path of awakening, we become more able and required by the law of our own being. It actually becomes a requirement, an invitation by the law of our own being, not by some external authority. We need the rules. We need law and order. We need the Ten Commandments. A lot of people need that stuff, and, and I needed them when I thought at a certain level. But now it's not even, that's just the, those are the, that's the beginning level. You know, it's not about not speeding because I don't want to get a parking ticket or a speeding ticket. It's about driving sensibly so everyone has a safe passage on the road, which is the common good. So it takes you out of that self-interest into the common good. And I, and I believe that that's what love does for us. It, it lights us up in the common good. But it's required by the law of our own being to take an active role in our own evolution. And if we don't take an active role in our own evolution, no one can do it for us. No one. We can assist one another, we can nurture one another, but if we don't take an active role in it, it ain't happening. And the world's full of people that say, that don't even know and don't care. And not that that's okay, but I think it's important for us to be able to look at that from the perspective of wisdom and understanding. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth said, you'll always have the poor amongst you. He wasn't talking about finances, I don't think. He was talking about consciousness and awareness. And so he understood it, but he still, talk, he, still, he still taught and he still lived from the highest awareness possible. Troward also said that order is heaven's first law. Order is heaven's first law. So I'm sharing this with you to, to, to illustrate to you how we can move up that calibration, but order is heaven's first law. 
And he said the thing that one of the most exquisite qualities of order is harmony. To come into harmony with, in relationship to life so that then that life can move through us and guide us and support us and resources. So when we're in discord, we're in hatred or anger or frustration or, or shame or guilt or whatever it may be, right on the chart here. You know, you get up to fear, you're at 100. I know a lot of people live at 100. I don't hang out with them, but I know a lot of people. I know where they are, and then I can, I can go hang out with I'm, I'm pulling for the love. As George Carlin used to always say, yeah, they were always pushing for the pain, and I was pulling for the pleasure. So order is heaven's first law. Harmony provides us with a train of thinking and a, train, a, a track of being so that we can put things into divine order so that we can have a new experience. He uses the illustration that we can now fly. He died in 1919. But he said we can now fly. And he said it's not because the, the universal laws changed. No, what happened was people did enough work and study in their own awareness and own consciousness to put things together in an orderly fashion to, a, to allow flight. So nothing changed. Can you imagine what we haven't discovered and realized yet? I mean, can you imagine what could happen energetically? What's available to us at the quantum level for energy? energy? that would free us. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's an interesting thing watching commerce, but what's the next thing we're giving birth to? I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested. And, I, and I, think it's a, I think it's possible, but what does it take? So as we move along in consciousness, see what we do is we help create the space for that, that, ge- that genius and that creativity to step forward. So once again, it's the opportunity to see unseen causes being, being called forth. Watched a beautiful movie this last week about bees, about the, the honeybees. And it's fascinating. It's called The Queen of the Sun. And it's all about these beekeepers all over the world. And as many of you know, a lot of how we've been handling and growing food has been, been, been getting diminished and compromised, and we're exhausting the bees. There's mites that kill them. They, they take them to these almond orchards in California, 740 acres, and there's nothing for the bees to, to uh, refresh themselves and get rejuvenated. It exhausts them. And so you, you look at it and you go, oh my gosh. You know, as one guy said, we keep up or all we're going to be eating is oatmeal, you know. And, and at the end of it, though, what they talk about is all these people are, are, are beekeepers in their backyards and on their rooftops in New York City. And so what's happening is people are going, man, let's, let's nurture the bees. Because, you know, and, and, and it's just a fascinating, it's inspiring. So rather than wait for, for the, the, the commercial uh, food growers that want to tell us what to eat and how to eat and how to raise things, to, to wait for them to, to, to wake up, people are saying, man, I'm going to have my own beehive here. And it was, it was remarkable. One of those beekeepers said, you know, bees choose you. And I thought, there's divine intelligence. There's a relationship, but it's beautiful. And at the end of it, it was a story of hope. You know, we can't wait for the powers that be because they are myopic. They are, they are in, uh, oh, golly. I'd say they're at 125, desire. You know, more, more, more. And so it's up to us to say, do I want to live like that or am I going to lead the way? And so it's a fascinating example of what's happening on this planet. But, it, you know, there we go. There's the, there's the opportunity. So to, to move up into this calibration of 500 is such a gift to one another. And what keeps us there many times, I want to talk about this, is that we, we, what keeps us there, next slide, is judgment. And judgment is a series of conclusions we brought 
we bought and sold to ourselves after seeing and knowing something. So we have an experience and we create a judgment about it. We create an opinion about it. And so there's, and, the, and, and that becomes sort of how we live our lives. You know, in the, in the co-creation work we've done so much of and we'll continue to do here, it's an error belief. So the, one of the reasons I talk about this all the time is when we, we dissolve the error belief, when we, when, we, when we raise our calibration above this limitation or this agreement with struggle, we can move into the love. A judgment is a series of conclusions we bought and sold to ourselves after seeing and knowing something. That's all it is. And so we get to renegotiate those agreements or not. And so this is part of what Dr. Troward was talking about is that then we become actively involved with our own evolution. And I like that. And then it takes you a while when you get into this to figure out what's mine to hold, what's mine to own, and what's, what's not mine. Now, that's the other part of the discernment. But, it, but, but it's, and so we grow into that awareness, we grow into that competency. So I want to share with you um, a very, the top 10, I think, um, ideas around wealth on the, on the planet to show you where judgment comes in, where, where it shows you how we can limit ourselves. So the first one is, um, uh, with the wealth programming on the planet is the love of money is evil. Anybody have that one? Okay. Number two, money doesn't grow on trees. Anybody use that one? Ever hear that when you were a kid? I got a tree in my backyard actually right now. It's pumping out these beautiful, beautiful... Uh, uh, I know it's a commerce. I know it has value somewhere. I'm just going to find the country and then I can go there and spend that money. I don't have enough. Anybody ever experienced I don't have enough? Rich people lie, cheat, and steal to get it. And I have to work hard for my money. Any of those, anybody have any of those going? Yeah. But those, there's some of the programming. There's some of the ideas that we're given. And, you know, and we get them innocently. Our parents will say things to us, no this, no that, there's not enough, can't do that, on and on and on. The next five, money is not spiritual. So if you're going to be spiritual, you can't have money. Money's certainly not spiritual. Where do we get that idea? Spiritual people don't have any money. I know when I ask you, you always say, ah, I'm spiritual. I don't have any more money. I'm giving you everything I got. Okay. I have to save for a rainy day. I love that one. Because what are we setting up? Yeah. I'm going to get to spend. It'll be when I have the rainy day. And there's nothing wrong with saving. But why plan it for that? You know, we're going down to John of God tomorrow. And, I, and it's, a, it's a huge financial commitment. And I've had a lot of people come, I, I, you know, I, I could, but I'm saving for a rainy day. Well, why don't you start saving to go on a trip that you might love to experience? <laughs> you get to decide. I get to decide. I'm not good with money. Oh, there's a good one. Oh, good. Who says you're not good with money? And I can't afford whatever. Can't afford this. I can't afford that. And it's, it's just the nuances of it. But I love, you know, I'm broke. Boy, oh boy, that's a prop. I'm broke. <sighs> How about I'm just short of cash right now. You know, the tide went out. But I know it's coming back in instead of I'm broke. What do you tell yourself when you say I'm broke? Because that can be everything. I'm broke. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't. When people tell me, I just say I can't support you in that. If you want me to agree with that, and I agree with that, i got to go find another job. Because you believe you're broke, and the truth of your experience right now is you're broke, but that's not the truth of your being. And if you keep feeding that, you're going to continue to have what? The same experience over and over again. 
So two reasons why we stay stuck. We set an intention, we're gonna do the work, number one, because we really haven't chosen to really change it. We give lip service to it. We talk about it, yeah, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna get, man, I'm gonna get on top of my health, I'm gonna get on top of my finances, I'm gonna really, you know, this is gonna be a great year. We do it when we do it, when we make the choices. You know, in that book by John Acuff, Start, you might have to just start small, but start. And the other one is, is that we haven't cleared our judgments. We have an idea and we get going and all of a sudden the error belief floats up to the top and we just can't step into it. We can't have the full experience. And so what I'm after, and I think you are as well, is I want to move up the, I want to move up the calibration. I've learned everything I need to learn in shame and guilt. I'm a, I got a PhD in that. Now, Ernest Holmes said, we have learned enough by suffering. One of my favorite sayings. How long, how long do we want to suffer? Ah, six more months of suffering, and then I'll be ready for something new. <laughs> That's the, how many more talks do you need to hear before you choose to, do, to make a decision? I've asked that a few times, and people say, just one more. <laughs> just one more. If you could just do one more really good talk, I think then I'll be ready to choose. <sighs> okay. I'll give it my best. But we choose when we choose. We make a decision. So... What will it take? What will it take? Great question. What will it take for me to, be, to be, have enough abundance in my life that I can travel wherever I want to travel to? I can go study with whoever I want to study. That I have the time to fill my soul with the activities in my life. That I have time to be a beekeeper. Or I have time to do something that I, brings me to life and creates a greater sense of aliveness in me. What will it take? See, when we're in relationship with spirit, when we move up the ladder of calibration and we're in love, then the question we ask, then the answers show up. What will it take? Wow. Holy cow. What will it take? What must I become? What must I become to be part of the solution, not part of the problem, where all my needs are met, where I put to bed all these old ideas of limitation, lack, agreements with struggle, that I got to work hard, I was listening to a talk by a young lady. She was on, the, on YouTube and don't remember her name, but she said, I set the intention that I'm, I'm incredibly compensated for just being me. What a great idea, huh? For just being me. Wow, I never would have think of that. I'm incredibly, you know, I mean, there's a, as a, you know, in this linear plane, we, get, we think of a task and then we, we accomplish it and there's something that comes in. It's a, this giving and receiving thing. What if you just open yourself up to? I am incredibly compensated for just being me. I am incredibly loved for just being me just the way I am. I am incredibly blessed beyond measure and I'm awed and surprised every day. Instead of, ah, oh, there's not enough. I'll get another job. Then that'll be enough. Yeah, well, there's only so many hours in a day. But it's fascinating how we use this law or not use the law, how we participate in our own evolution and revolution of our consciousness or not. So, we want to move up this, I think we want to move up this calibration chart. I think that all of us want to continue to dip into love and joy. Love and joy. Having fun, laughing, as, as Maya Angelou said, to enjoy life. Powerful and wonderful. So here's my suggestions going forward. Number one, you make a choice. 
You make a choice. I'm going to raise my calibration today. What would it take for me to raise my calibration? Who would I have to forgive? Myself or others? What resentment would I have to put down? What painful memory? What, what bias did I carry with me? I make a choice. What would it take? Bless and be grateful. Bless and, you want more money in your life? Bless what you have today. Every, what we appreciate appreciates. Heal the separation. Spiritual practice. God's life, my life. Sit down and close your eyes and imagine. You know, Dr. Holmes used to say that before he gave a talk, he would close his eyes and he would imagine him wrapping his arms around the entire audience in love. I mean, we're doing it right now. Extending love. Doesn't cost anything. It's just an awareness. It's an experience. But I know when I do that, I connect with that higher self, that vibration of the most high. I calibrate higher. Delete and add new programming, which is questioning our judgments and questioning our error beliefs, the things that keep us stuck. And then we use this mantra. Instead of I'm not enough, there isn't enough, I got to work hard to make my money, that rich people lie and cheat and steal to get it. How about these? I'm so happy and grateful that... This shows up in my life, whatever it may be. What's this? Your this is yours. I'm happy, so happy and grateful that this shows up in my life, that all my needs are fulfilled every day and in every way, continues to expand and grow. That I experience, I'm so happy and grateful that I experience joy in this moment. Joy in this moment. Nobody can take that away from you. I'm so happy and grateful that all my answers show up. I talked about that earlier. To live in that divine, develop that intuition. What I need to know in this moment is made clear to me. And sometimes you can say, and I demand, I, pla- I place this demand upon this infinite law. And I know it responds to me because it loves and supports me. So thank you so much. Thank you for my answers before they show up. And then what I have to do is I have to get out of the way. I have to forget about it completely. And then I'm driving, I'm pushing the, sh- the shopping cart down the grocery store aisle. And it hits me. And it's like, oh, there it is. Because it never comes when I stand there and wait for it. I just stand there and tap my foot and, you know, I want it and I want it right now. And it just says, yeah, I know you want it and you want it right now. But you're so strong in the want it, want it right now. See, my problem with all this stuff is my impatience. You know, it's, I've, I've made choices. My choices are like 50 or 60 things and then I get impatient. And I realize, you know what? Part of it is planting the seed and letting it grow and letting me grow. What must I become? What will it take? And part of it is my, my responsibility. Part of it is my role. There's no place for it to land right now because I'm, so, I'm chasing it so hard it can't possibly slow down to, to come into my life. That's my, that's my challenge. I know the law works, but I want it to work on my time. And that's that eight-year-old kid that still lives in me. I want it and I want it now. I am so happy and grateful for me being me. And I'm so happy and grateful for all the good coming into my life all the good coming into my life, whatever it may be. But you see how that shifts and changes our perception? You see how it moves us into an attitude and a, and, a, and, a, and a feeling tone of gratitude? And gratitude is that portal. Gratitude and forgiveness is the portal to the third kingdom of consciousness, co-creation. So when I say we're moving out of our heads, we've gone as far as we can as metaphysicians in our heads. I'm telling you. Because I know some of the most brilliant people that have get, that done some of the most brilliant affirmative prayers I've ever heard in my life. And the conditions don't seem to shift and change. And all I can take from that is that there's a piece missing. That the the calibration needs to lift up. That there has to be an opportunity for spirit to show up in our lives. 
That's what, that's what Judge Crowder was talking about. He was talking about that when he was talking about harmony, to, to live in that harmony of life. That's why meditation is so powerful because it puts us into that peaceful state of being, that openness, the receptiveness, and it and allows the things that are limiting us to bubble up. When I go to Abhijanya, I sit there for two weeks in meditation, and all that comes up from me are the, the, the error beliefs and judgments I have, and I've just learned sitting there to go, thank you so much, and I know that you are supporting me. Thank you so much for helping me dissolve this because I don't want to live like that anymore. I want my soul's agreement to be fulfilled in this lifetime, whatever that may be. And I don't think it's an accident I'm doing the work I'm doing. I, you know, I came to this kicking and screaming. A minister. Anything but that. But for all of us, you know, to have the, 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 the gift and the ability to look at that. So it's to, to move up into that calibration of love. So I want to share with you a beautiful video for, to, to wrap up what we're doing here today. It's, one of, it's just a beautiful thing that's been floating around on YouTube. And it really talks about and sings about and demonstrates this idea of love. And here it comes. My biggest fear is I'll let people down and maybe they'll think less of me. Especially you, you're the jewel in my crown and I don't want to mess this up. Am I a good enough lover, a good enough friend, good enough for giving you what you need? Will someone else come along with a much better song and a smile that you wanna trust? You say whatever, you say who cares, you say baby there's no there there. You say I can, you say I'm gonna, I can do anything I wanna. Nothing but love even when you can't see it, nothing but love even when you can't see it. Nothing but love, even when you can't see it She says, look at me, just look at me Nothing but love, even when you can't see it Nothing but love, even when you can't see it Nothing but love, even when you can't see it She says, look at me, just look at me My life was a stoplight, didn't know it turned green You still didn't all get me You waved and I waved and we went on our way And I knew you were just my type and now we're under the gun in another recession Are we gonna be alright? You say we can, you say we're gonna We can do anything we wanna Nothing but love even when you can't see it Nothing but love even when you can't see it Nothing but love even when you can't see it She says look at me, just look at me Nothing but love even when you can't see it Nothing but love even when you can't see it Nothing but love even when you can't see it She says look at me, just look at me now
Yeah, it's great, great, great video. It's always fun to have that stuff float up and share it. Dr. Hawkins, who uh, created that calibration chart, said that when one of us calibrates it at uh, the calibration of love, it affects and impacts 750,000 people. So when we look at the newspaper and we see the fighting going on in the, the Mideast, which seems to be continual, I think one of the finest things we can do before we move into action is to offer unconditional love and to know each person there has everything they need and to allow that contagion and that, that sharing to lift ourselves and know that it's, part of, it's a powerful prayer. And then we can go into activity. You know, I'm going to spend two weeks with a, a number of you who are going down to Abhijani tomorrow, and we sit there for two weeks in meditation, and what we're asked to do is simply love God as you know God. That's the only activity. It's all in Portuguese, so I don't understand any of it, but it's, it's an experience that is incredible. It's incredible, and probably what makes it so beautiful is it's a language I, I don't understand. So we have the opportunity to continue to be involved in our own evolution and to choose each day to, to decide and how, what will our mantra be? You know, to allow this infinite divine intelligence, this unseen force for good to work through us and for us and as us. And when we move aside the judgments and the error beliefs that restrict that and we open up to a new possibility and have a different habitual pattern to dwell upon, our lives are transformed. So I thank you so much for being part of this movement, being part of this incredible revolutionary spiritual movement upon this planet that supports aliveness and love and the common good. Blessings. Thank you so much. <laughs>